Welcome to the American Med Spa Podcast, Medical Spa Insider. This week, founder Alex Tiersch is joined by Christine Miles, CEO and founder of Equipped. All right, welcome everybody. This is Alex Tiersch and this is Medical Spa Insider. Today on the AmSpa Hotline, as we like to call it, um, I'm very excited to talk to Christine Miles, who is the CEO and founder of a business called Equipped um, and is an author, speaker, consultant, executive coach, and recognized world expert in the field of listening, which I, I, is, is, I have so many questions for you, um, Christine. First of all, thanks for joining us. Um, I, I, I know you've got um, a ton of, of things to say. You're the author of several books, including in 2021, um, the book, what is the what is it costing you not to listen? The power and understanding, power of understanding to connect, influence, solve, and sell. And one of the things that you say in your um, on your website, which I which was very attractive to me and it caught my attention, was the most powerful form of communication is not how people talk, but how they listen and how they understand. And so, um, Christine, I we, we we came across your your profile and I, I thought it was a very interesting thing that you do when you talk about listening and developing emotional intelligence. Um, I, I would love, just so that I don't screw it up, to give um, our listeners a quick little idea of, of, of what it is you do and, and why listening um, has become kind of your, your, your thing, so to speak. My thing, yes. Well, thanks for, uh, for having me on. The, the reason the company is called Equipped, it is a little play on words and letters because it's E-Q-U-I-P-T. Right. So we equipped people with the human skills or the emotional intelligence skills. So uh, why I do that is, is really was born very young in my life. I was as five, as early as I can <laughs> remember, um, when I started to pay attention to things that other kids didn't pay attention to. And there were really two reasons for that. And, and one was my mother, who suffered from psychological issues. She had lost her mother from being born. So she came by a lot of emotional pain, very honestly, mm. early in her life. And my job in the family as the girl, the, almost like the surrogate mother in a way, mm-hmm. was to understand the pain that most people didn't see. Because on the surface, she was beautiful and warm and charismatic, but underneath a lot of sadness. Mm. So I started to pay attention to things that weren't said. Like I said, I can remember five paying attention to things like this. That's, and, that's um, a long yeah, time and then my, Yep. And then my father was an entrepreneur. So many, much like your listeners, while in a different space, was a small business owner, grew a business serving small companies as a financial planner, but, but started selling chicken feed right out of college after studying agriculture. Mm. So what he talked about a lot was the relationship he had with his clients and how he deeply understood them and you needed to understand them to be successful. So right. marrying those two things together is how I came to this work. I think that's, I, I have so many questions because um, actually I was just having a conversation the other day I think it was my dad about emotional intelligence and how, you know, there's, you know, there's smart people and there's emotionally smart people. And I was going back and thinking about kind of how I've performed in my career and all the different moves that I've made where I've gotten where I've gotten. And it's really it's it's not been because of my, you know, my SAT scores or my grades in college. It's always been relationships and kind of you know, that emotional intelligence and those, those connections with people. And, and I think it all, it all leads back to what you're talking about. And I'm, I'm curious, when you look at 
your clients or when you're speaking or, or when you're, you're talking with folks, is, is there is there one thing that kind of stands out that people do or don't do that you think, OK, this is something that I that I wish I could change in folks, because it's really um, listening is 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 something that I, I, I feel like we all could benefit from from brushing up on um, myself included. But what's kind of the main thing that you think people need to to think about? Well, it's it's interesting that you asked that because I, I want to preface with I I people don't know how to listen for a very good reason, and that is that we're told to listen, but we're never taught. Mm-hmm. So we have zero years of education in the U.S. school systems that I'm aware of uh, on listening. Right. We're teaching people to tell, talk, and know, and then we're surprised when they're telling, talking, and knowing all the time. Right? right. How you get through academic school, grade school, high school, college is what is is your IQ? Is are those scores more than your EQ yeah. that's developed? Yeah. Yep. So, so we're not teaching people how, and then, but, but we all know. And when I ask the question, I've done a lot of anecdotal research around how important is listening. One hundred percent of the people raise their hand and say it's very important. Right. But what have you done to become a listener and learn how to listen? Almost nothing. Only two percent of people have had any kind of listening training. So, I mean, what is listening training? I mean, are you just? I'm so curious as to what that consists of and and how you also go about kind of improving that area because I mean I think probably and correct me if I'm wrong a lot of folks will say oh yeah I listen I'm great at listening everyone thinks that they're good at it they're they're, they're empathetic they, they they take things in but probably when you get into it many people are not as good as they think they are well, you know, that's interesting. I started the book with that very statistic that Harvard Business Review will tell you that people think they're listening as much like their driving skills, that yeah. they, they rate themselves higher than they yes. actually are. And but, but there's a lot of people that know that when we really slow them down to think about it, they know they're not great at listening and they understand even why they're not great at listening, like they're rehearsing or they're mind reading, or they're thinking about solving the problem, or they're anticipating the next, or they're impatient. There's all kinds of struggles. The brain is really the greatest enemy of listening. And so we're our own worst enemies in terms of being able to do this. So you Mm. said something really important, though, is like, what is listening training? What Mm -hmm. what does that even mean? Mm -hmm. And in the world, previously, it's really been around being attentive as a listener, attending to somebody, I'm paying attention to you, making eye contact, um, being empathetic, as you mm-hmm. said, and, and very surface things. Now there's there's a little bit more in the world about levels of listening and understanding that we can listen for different things. Mm-hmm. Um, but what, what we've come to is really, and what I wrote the book about, is how to be transformational in how you listen. And that's why the, the subtitle is around the word understanding. Because when you listen to understand, not just the message, but the meaning, you find so you you find a whole nother level in the relationship that leads to insight that can drive a different kind of result. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So that's that's the paradigm shift that I hope to make, that we're starting to really raise the bar on what listening looks like and that we put time on task to make people better at it. So what does that mean, though? So when you say, you know, transformational listening, so I, the way I, I understand it is where you know, you're, it's not just necessarily hearing and being empathetic to what's being said, but it's, it's, it's understanding what is being said so that you can, I, I'm put, I don't want to put words in your mouth so that, so, so that you can, you know, you can develop that relationship or, but what, like, 
when you say transformational listening, what, what does what does that mean? It it really means, and I and I appreciate you digging into it. It really means discovering something okay. in the conversation. Yeah. So what, just to take another step back, we we use the word empathy a lot. And yeah. How do we become more empathetic? And we know that some of us are more empathetic either by nature or nurture or both mm-hmm. than, than others, but we can develop empathy. And so one of the things that people is a misnomer in my opinion is that we think we just need to empathize and then we'll listen, but it's really listening that leads to empathy. Mm-hmm. And so when we learn to listen in a transformative way to look for meaning and discover something with the person talking, that's what connects and then the empathy follows. It's not the other way around. Okay. So, you know, it's like therapists and journalists almost. They're looking to discover part of a story that, that hasn't been told. Mm-hmm. That's the insight. And so if I equate that to your listeners and they have a, a patient or client coming mm-hmm. in, you know, there's a surface need, but they have to understand them more deeply to really serve them in the best possible way. So part of listening to tr- in a transformative way is to discover what the real need is and not just what the ask is. Yes. And you, you will find, and, and what you, you mentioned in our, in our industry is so important because our, I hear this all the time, you know, injectors specifically who are spending time, you know, with somebody very up close talking to them. And they're also coming back, you know, so they develop a relationship over time, become, you know, pseudo therapists in addition to um, injectors. And, and I think some of them are listening, but some of them are also, you know, maybe not listening um, as well as they could. What's the um, what's the impact and we always ask this when we're talking about business, you know, what's the why? Like, why would you do this? What's the impact of becoming a, a better listener, a transformational listener? Is there a way you can kind of measure that to actual bottom line dollars, business success? I and mean, what, what actually happens there that makes it more successful that, that will encourage folks to, to grasp onto this concept of listening? Well, so we work with all types of businesses and, um, and certainly, you know, the medical space, we work with a lot of pharma companies, for example, so um, small and large. So the, the impact is really, it's not just the relationship, it's that it, relationships make people want to come back, right? Right. When, when we talk at a, more of a value sale, right, you can, you can inject somebody and they can be satisfied, but if they don't feel connected and that you understand them, they're not as likely to come back because mm-hmm. then you can just find somebody who can do it more cheaply. Right. Or, you know, get get an earlier appointment. Why why are you waiting for someone? Because they're a trusted advisor. It's right. really about becoming a trusted advisor. And and for women who are, you know, and men who are coming into this to these offices to look for how they can aesthetically improve themselves, you know, giving people what they want may not be in their best interest all the time, right? Sometimes it's about yeah. being able to say no. Yeah. It's about being able to say that's not what's gonna make you look the best. But we're our own worst enemies. So how do you become that trusted advisor? When you do that, then then there's real staying and sticking power. And then you're going to grow your practices. Because when you tell people no when they need to hear it and they can accept it, you have more longevity, I believe, in business. And you have credibility and trust. And I think that's that's we we, we say that all the time. That sometimes the best the best thing that you can do in our business is tell somebody no. And we see, you know, you see people walking around all the time with faces that are overfilled and they look like they're frozen in place. And, and, you know, that's not good for us. It's not good for the, for the industry. Um, 
So, but um, it's hard to say no, isn't it? Especially if you're starting out, it's really hard. To, I I tell a story in the book. One of the the biggest sales I made was when I started my executive coaching business in 2007, mm-hmm. and I went in to meet with the CEO. and And I was this was my first sales call, and much like you were probably a lot of your practitioners, I was in denial that I was in sales for my entire career. I started out as a therapist. Right. I worked as an organizational development specialist. And I thought, I'm helping people. I'm not in sales. Yeah. But when I realized when you have your own business, you're selling. So yeah. get your arms around that. Uh, but earning the right to tell people no is what this is about. And so this CEO was asking me for something very specific. He wanted me to provide training. And I had no idea what I was going to really do for him. And I just kept saying, wait, wait, no, no, hold on. I don't, I don't know what that would do for you. And by saying no and slowing him down, I actually made a much larger sale and, and had a four-year long contract and relationship with him in the company he was running at the time because I was able to not just go, yep, I can deliver that because it would have been helpful, but it wouldn't have had the broad um, mm. impact. Mm-hmm. And so that ROI was you know, quite significant because I said no, because mm-hmm. I, the longer game was, was, was much more lucrative than the shorter game in so many ways. Well, and, and really what you're talking about in many ways is sales, right? I mean, and I know that's maybe not the ultimate, that's not necessarily the ultimate goal, but we, 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 we talk a lot about sales and we, we teach a lot in sales and we've, and, and one of the things that I hear most often from, from people who are really good at it is they, is they say, you know, sales is not, you know, necessarily pushing anything on anybody. It's listening and then letting, educating and letting that person decide. Right. But they, but they do say that they, they, they use the word listening a ton. I mean, it's, it's, it's always about listening and engaging. So um, in, in some ways what you're doing is sales training. It's just, you know, kind of in a different way. Is that fair? It's, it's very fair. We're, we're the foundation, I like to say, of the house in terms of sales training. And selling can really feel like a dirty word to yeah. a lot of people. And yeah. I understand that. And it does in our industry, like, especially because it's, it's, it's medical, right? Yeah. But when, when we think about selling, and Zig Ziglar says this, you know, we're all in sales. You go home to your spouse, you're selling, right? You're selling an idea. Let's get a new house. Why? Here's why. Let's move the family, have a new job. Um, let's put so in, you know my this one in private school, this one in public. You're always selling. Mm-hmm. So when you think about you know approaching a patient, it's really about what's what do you see as the advisor in their best interest, and how do you help them see what you see as someone with more experience, medical experience, and and so forth, rather than the person coming in with the need. This is this is across the board and everything. You know you don't need to sell somebody something they don't need. Sometimes right. they're going to ask for what they don't need. Right. Yeah. Sometimes selling is to say no, not just to say yes. And it's to figure out what they really do need. Right. And that's the, that's how you build value in the relationship and that value in that relationship is how you build scale and sticky power. So I I would love if, I don't know if, um, if you, if you can do this, but I would love some other tips and tricks for like, number one, things I've been thinking about is, is are there certain things you can do to, to kind of get yourself to be a better listener in certain situations. And, and, and one thing I, 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 I asked this cause I, I read an article and it was, I read a lot of things on like psychological hacks is kind of what they call, it. you know, it's just things that, mm-hmm. you, 
And it's, you know, if you go into, and one was for networking. And if you go into, you know, some sort of a networking function, um, you know, you, you, you treat it kind of almost like you're in a documentary and you're trying to learn as much as you can about a certain person. Right. Um, and, and I'm curious, are there, are there things that you, that you tell people that people can take away even today as they're, they're driving into work, you know, that they can take away and say, all right, this is what I'm going to do to try to be a better listener today. Yeah. And, and that, that's really what the book is about and what we train yeah. companies to do is learn those tools. So, okay. so, the, so the metaphor here is you, you wouldn't go hiking or camping in the woods for three weeks and go in unprepared, right? You put tools in your backpack. Otherwise, yeah. you wouldn't make it to the other side of the mountain. Right. And so we go into conversations really unprepared mm-hmm. because we're, we're not equipped with the tools on how to listen differently. Again, we're told, not taught. So, so here's one thing. You know, one of the principles that, that we focus on is slowing down to speed up. Mm-hmm. And so, and, and I imagine for your listeners, again, they're, they're under time pressure sometimes yeah. as well. They have so for much sure. time for appointments. So even though I say slow down, it doesn't mean we're not going to get there faster. Okay. It's just if we do more work on the front end, we'll save some of the heartache on the, the other end. So one of the things is really to take a step back and, and start to ask questions that, that therapists and journalists, the best story gatherers, mm-hmm. really use. And one of those questions is, take me back. So when a patient comes in and they say, I want you to do this, this, and this, I don't like this, this, and this, we tend to go forward in the conversation yeah. rather than to say, hey, okay, great. Take me back. Where did that start? When did you start feeling that way? When did that start coming into your mind? Mm-hmm. When did that start bothering you? When you start to do that, you get the beginning of the story. You start to make a different kind of connection and build mm-hmm. a different kind of relationship mm-hmm. with the patient. Yeah, no, I I, I love that. Um, it, it it it's absolutely true. It's 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 stopping yourself from using kind of leading closed-ended questions and and using open-ended questions that kind of they can get to, to what people are talking about, which is not easy for, for folks to do. A lot, a lot of times you're waiting to respond, right? We always, we always hear that it's people are, are, are not necessarily listening. They're formulating their response in their mind as they're doing. Is, is there, how do we stop doing that? Is there, is there a way to, cause I, I, I find myself doing that. I'm sure everybody does. It's, it's natural, right? You start thinking, even now when we're talking, it's like, I, well, okay, what's my next question going to be? It's like, you know, but like at some point you do have to listen to what folks are saying in order to have a conversation. Well, it is, again, that's the brain. I'm not going to yeah. blame you, Alex, because <laughs> your brain is on overdrive. So yeah. we have yeah. to give it a sedative. And the, we call them the six most powerful questions that, that help you turn in from that like kind of defense attorney that shapes the story kind yeah. of in, with those close-ended and specific questions to more open-ended, becoming more curious as like a detective would be to un- let the story mm-hmm. unfold. Um, one of the things that I, I'm going to say is, the number one interference with sales mm-hmm. is problem solving. So let's just paint this picture and then I'll, I'll associate the questions for you. So a patient comes in and they're saying, you know, I don't like ask this. What, what don't you like about your face? Right. right. Yeah. <laughs> I could say five things. Right. Yeah. That's probably a question. OK, so now I want to problem solve that for you. And I want to go, well, we could do this. We could do this. We could do this. OK. That's what we, te- we all tend to do in sales, because the more experience and knowledge you have, the more you tend to solve the problem. Mm-hmm. More importantly, it's important to create a basis of understanding before you start to do that. Mm-hmm. So that's where that take me back is. Even if you already know the answer, 
sometimes you have to bring the, the, the patient or the customer along with you. So when you slow down and help them understand what you understand about them, they're more likely to go with you for the longer haul. Mm-hmm. So that take me back is an important question to say, mm-hmm. you know, and, 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 you know, I, I have, I've have dealt with some medical things in my, my lifetime. Um, and I write about some of this in the book, but you know, not so long ago, I had just by way of story, I have a practitioner that does, I was an athlete, so I have some sports mm-hmm. injury and he does some progressive mm-hmm. things like PRP, things that yeah. your practitioners yeah. have probably heard about. Yeah. And I have a tear in one of my muscles and, mm-hmm. and I went in and this doctor listens to me very well, by the way, which is part of why I see him. Mm-hmm. And and I go in and I go to the, I go, Dr. Schreipel, I, I, I Googled it. I think I know where my problem is, mm-hmm. blah, 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 blah. And by the way, I was pretty close and he, <laughs> he listened and he took in and tell me more, take me back, listen to all the answers. And then he said, you know what? You might be right, but let me, let me look under ultrasound and see if that's mm-hmm. exactly where it is. Mm-hmm. And he did his thorough scoping. And he said, well, you were almost right. Where I see the tear is actually a muscle just behind that muscle. Mm-hmm. And he went into it and we solved the problem together. And then he did the PRP and I, I got healing. Right. Right. If he hadn't listened to me, he may have missed it because I was, Mm -hmm. I'm pretty good at knowing my body. And if he hadn't listened to me, I may not have wanted to hear what he had to say because I was so convinced. Right. But instead he took the time to talk that through with me and together we came to a better outcome. And I think that's really the best way to come to solutions. Well, and um, not only did you have a better outcome, but here you are talking about it later on, right? And I'm sure if someone has a problem, you're gonna he's gonna be the first person you're gonna send them to, because I've sent quite a few people to him, right? Yes, and, and that, he's served them very well, right? And and a lot of that is because of of how he approached you. Hey, everybody, Alex Tiersch here, and I wanted to take a second to let you guys know about Am Spa's Medical Spa and aesthetic boot camps. It is boot camp season here at AmSpa, and we are getting ready to go on the road with our boot camps. Um, Many of you have been to them. We've been doing them for, gosh, going on, I want to say, six, seven years now. We've we've educated um, hundreds upon hundreds of med spa owners across the country. But for those of you who haven't been, AmSpa's medical spa and aesthetic boot camps are intense two-day seminars covering legal and best practices um, business best practices in the medical spa industry. Medical spa and aesthetic boot camps are designed for all medical spa professionals looking to run efficient, compliant, and profitable aesthetic practices. We get into everything from business planning to updating your business plan, marketing, two hours on legal and compliance, sales training, um, purchasing um, equipment, all sorts of things. And we've we've added breakout sessions talking about things like putting your med spa up for sale, what's the what's the the market for expansion and acquisition and things like that. So we really want to make sure that everyone has something they can get and I think if you uh, take a look at the agenda you'll find that to be to be the case. These things are intense though. I want to make sure that all of you understand who are going to if you're going to show up, we do these things to the limit and we make sure we give you all the information that you need so it's 2 days chock full of information. Join us in Salt Lake City. Our first time in Salt Lake City, which we're super excited about, April 8th through 10th, which is coming up. We're going to be in Atlanta, May 13th through 15th, Chicago, June 24th, 26th, New York, July 22nd through 24th, San Francisco, August 19th through 21st, Houston, October 7th through 9th, and Miami, November 4th through 6th. Registration is limited. It will fill up fast, so visit AmericanMedSpa.org slash 
Amazon Boot Camps to reserve your seat today. See you there. Um, now I want to I want to Jedi mind trick you a little bit and say take me back to <laughs> um, take me back to when you started um, this company and and kind of monetizing for lack of a better word the 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 skill of listening. I mean, at what point did you start thinking, man, this is something that maybe, you know, I could do for a living as opposed to just, you know, thinking about it? Oh, well, I love the question. Take me back. <laughs> and I'll give you another one to add to your repertoire, right, which yeah. is one of the other two. So tell me more is the next tell one me I can more, t- yeah. talk to you about. So, well, I mentioned that. So I had worked for an employee assistance program as an organizational development lead for a number of years. And, um, in 2007, I decided to start my own executive coaching business. And that's when, again, it kind of occurred to me, I have to go out and find that business, so I better get going. And, uh, and so, you know, I was working a lot with teams and individuals. And what I realized is that I was having the same conversations over and over again. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And that fundamentally, the problems were boiling down to this, that people weren't listening well mm-hmm. to each other and or to themselves and so I was, I was having a lot of redundancies, and I thought there's got to be a better way. Mm-hmm. So in 2011, I kind of started on this path of how do we start solving the problem of not listening and create a framework mm-hmm. that really changes the game on that. And so this has been an evolution, like I said, since I was five. I've always done some aspect of this in my work, but really honing into solving this problem, because the more I focus on this problem, the more I realize listening differently solves Mm-hmm. A lot of problems. Well, and and you you have some some background in psychology. Um, I, w- I would imagine. I think I saw that in, in in your bio. So this is something you've obviously been interested in. Um, yeah. Which which I you know I, I I I am too. And I think anyone who's really interested in kind of building a business in some ways has an interest in psychology because you're you're talking about selling. Um, yeah. But at, at, at some point, you must have been like. All right, I'm an executive coach. I'm doing, and I agree that that same question over and over again. Um, tell me more about that. Mm-hmm. And, and um, like, because there must have been that that kind of epiphany where where it was like, man, people are willing to to, to kind of pay for this, and it, it resonates with people like me because, especially nowadays, with all the noise on the on the news and just social media, it's just it's like I I don't think anybody listens to anybody anymore. I feel like it's just people shouting over one another there must have been that 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 point where you're like oh this is something i can actually do and that's where i say ask that because a lot of the folks who listen are in that same position they're kind of on the edge do i take the jump and open my own business do you know what direction do i go um and it's 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 not an easy decision to make and you have to kind of have that that kind of moment um so i, I want you to take me back and tell me more about that moment if, if you can if you can well, again, well done using the questions, and I'd be happy to. And by the way, even when and my team does this, my boyfriend does this, when even when I'm mad and I don't want, I'm thinking I don't want to answer that question. I I always do because it just prompts you as a yeah. as someone talking that yeah. it You're opens right. people up. So yeah. um, I do want to answer it in this case. <laughs> yeah. So one of the things that happened was. Um, neuroscience really changed in the last 25 years, as I'm sure you're aware. So we know what how people buy. And I want to keep using the words buy and sell, not to diminish that we're, this isn't about products or about just making money. This is about influence, right? And how we best serve mm-hmm. people. Because that sales doesn't have to be a dirty word. But storytelling in around 2010 really came onto the landscape. Yeah. Let's, start, let's tell stories, tell stories. 
I'm certainly in the I, part of what we do is storytelling. Yeah. But I felt the world had it backwards, very wrong. I thought, why are we so focused on telling a story we're mm. talking mm-hmm. rather than getting the right story? I, I don't go out and do a talk at a conference or with an audience without understanding what the audience needs to know. Right. I don't go into a conversation without first understanding what the other person needs before I start advising. So mm-hmm. I thought we need storytelling, but there's not the, the front end is missing once mm-hmm. again. And so I kind of fought the world for a while unsuccessfully. Quite honestly, I, I, you know, I tried to get to get people engaged more on the listening side. Um, but I was, I was solving the wrong problem. They weren't ready for it. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, you know, we certainly do a lot of work around storytelling, but the pandemic has made this problem even more profound yeah. because we're very disconnected and feeling it um, from each other and from ourselves. Like you said, the, the volume's gone up in the world. So I think people are more ready to hone in on this. And mm-hmm. I hope that we're striking uh, when the, the time is right. I hope so. Because I hope people are ready to hone in on it because it's, 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 it's needed. And it's interesting you talk about storytelling. And, and I've seen that and I've been to conferences now where storytelling, you know, as a marketing tool and as a sales strategy is becoming um, prevalent. Um, I, I, I like how you, you, you say, though, that it's, it, it's, you know, it's kind of the opposite is, is what you're focused on, which is, I think there's a lot of validity to that because you can tell as many stories as you want and you can be as compelling as you want, but if people aren't understanding it and listening to it and getting the message, um, and nowadays in today's, you know, one thing we've noticed is people don't read, right? So it's like, we'll send an email out and we've, yeah. you know, we've got to make sure that it's two sentences long because that's the people's attention span is as long as they can swipe. So yep. how, like in this day and age with people having little to no attention span, Breaking through and getting folks to listen has got to be, while I think people are maybe picking up on the overall theme of it, it's got to be incredibly hard to do nowadays because of just the noise that's out there. Yeah, well, you know, what's interesting is, so so I want to give your your listeners some more help in terms of how to engage with people and, yeah. and follow yes. up on this question. So. So I'm, you know, I believe that listening is the most powerful form of communication, but storytelling and and what we call story gathering, gathering the story, married together, they're, they're inextricably linked. It's just, what do you do first? And so I never have trouble getting more time with people because I'm getting their story rather than them having to listen to mine. And so, so how you become the best kind of storyteller is gather somebody's story and then tell them their own. Okay. That's the most powerful story you can tell someone. Well, now, and, so, and, and, and what do you mean by that? So, again, by way of let's take it to your listeners, you're, a patient comes into your office and you use the question, take me back, tell me more, mm-hmm. and you find out more about their story, why they're in the office, what they want to accomplish, what they want to gain. What typically happens, even if we do that much well, mm-hmm. is that we go, okay, here's what we should do. Mm-hmm. There's, the missing step is, now let me tell you your own story. So, so I would say something like, well, it sounds like, you know, it's been about two years and you started thinking about you wanting injectables and it's, this has been bothering you, getting older is harder, whatever the story is. And you reflect it back mm-hmm. to, the, to the patient in 30 seconds, you know, a minute, whatever that is, what, what you will find is that when you tell people their own story, it is, it's mesmerizing to the person that, that, that's hearing it back. Mm-hmm. because they feel 
understood or heard in a different way because most of the world doesn't do that. Mm-hmm. So a simple example is if I go to a restaurant, I'm the person that wants my dressing on the side, no onions on the salad. If the waiter or waitress doesn't repeat that and, and reflect that back to me, I have no confidence that they mm-hmm. are going to get it right in the kitchen. Mm-hmm. So why is that different in the doctor's office? Mm-hmm. No, I think, <clears throat> yeah, you've got me. It's, it, it's a simple thing. So people, and the, the people tell me all the time, why is it that you can tell me things I don't want to hear? And I say, well, not, and I mean, difficult things, because I have to give people difficult feedback. And right. I said, well, not right. for nothing. But I spent a lot of time making sure I understood exactly what you said, how you feel mm-hmm. and what you need before I dare to try to tell you what you don't want to hear. Mm-hmm. And they're like, oh, okay, yeah. that makes sense. Yeah. Well, and, and, and a lot of times it's not even that you're telling them what they don't want to hear. You're just kind of laying out the, their own story for them so that they can hear it and then it becomes crystal clear to them. As a first step, but then if I have to say, now let me tell you why I don't think we should go down that road. Mm-hmm. I'll, I'll, I'll give you another uh, story. I was, I was, I had breast cancer a few years ago, and I had to have a mastectomy. Mm-hmm. Fortunately, I'm, I'm okay physically. Good. Um, and I had a very good doctor who was very in tune and and didn't want to do things to my body that I didn't want to do. But I'm five nine, and you know we were doing the expansion process. Your doctors will re- recognize this. And I got to the point where I didn't know what was the right time to stop. And I said to my doctor, what do you think? Like, should we go another week and do another, you know, fill them a little more? He goes, I don't want you to be top heavy. That was his solution, right? Mm -hmm. And I'm thinking I'm 5'9". I'm not, he doesn't have me very big at this point. I go, top heavy. Mm -hmm. And if I had taken that statement, I might have not trusted him. Mm -hmm. But I went, wait a minute, take me back. Tell me more. Mm -hmm. Why, Why are you saying top heavy? He said, well, you were an athlete. You weren't that big to begin with. I don't think you're going to like it. Then he provided my story back to me mm-hmm. about why that wouldn't be good for me. And I'm like, oh, okay, I get it. Mm-hmm. You're right. Let's stop. And I'm very happy with the results. Mm-hmm. But I knew how to get him to tell me what I needed to know. That, that has to shift where yeah. doctors, practitioners are able to do that on their own. Yeah. So the patient, I mean... Some people would have been like, top heavy, that's, what are you saying, right? Yeah, yeah. I didn't take offense to that. It made me curious. Yeah. But as a patient who's vulnerable, we're not always going to know how to ask that. Yeah. So it's important we have the practitioners do that. Yeah. So in, in, in some ways, it's not, it's, it's, it's not even, like, especially in, in, in our industry, it's not knowing how to listen, it's, it, which is obviously important also, but it's, it's knowing that your patients may not know um, how to listen and then being able to kind of fill in those gaps. Because, for, uh, for instance, had you not been who you were, you might not have followed up, right? And, and there might have been, um, you know, pushback or whatever. So it's like, I, you know, in some ways, you, you have to kind of use, you know, use your, your own skills um, but then project them on people that you're talking to, understanding that they, they may not be, be listening. Is, is that fair? That's very well recapped. And I think what you just said is so important. How do they fill the gap? Because you have two people who don't know how to listen in the room. Mm. Most of us as patients don't know how to listen. Right. And as practitioners, because we're not taught. So one of us has to fill the gap. The duty of the practitioner is to be able to do that and to learn how. And again, the benefits, the ROI, as you put it earlier, for mm. the patients are 
they feel understood and get the best results. And as a, you as a practitioner, give the best results and grow your, your business and your clientele because you're that trusted advisor. When you give the gift of understanding, telling someone their own story and making sure you get them before you act or, or tell or sell, mm -hmm. you're going to be in a much better place um, in terms of all aspects of what you're doing, mm -hmm. both medically and from a business standpoint. Yeah. Are there, are there some things that you are like tricks or, or, or just observations that where you can tell that someone's maybe not listening to you as well as they should be? Um, well, you mean in the conversation, if I don't know if somebody's listening? Yeah. You know, and, and I, I mean, I guess what I'm saying is, you know, probably you, you, you realize when you're, when you're working with folks that, that people aren't listening and, 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 and their, 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 the, the skill of listening is something they need to work on. Um, are there times when you're talking with someone and, and you can just kind of pick them like, I, I can tell that you're not hearing me. I can tell that you're, and, and I, and, and maybe this is just an obvious question about, you know, you're just not engaged or you're not paying attention or whatever it is. But I, I, I feel like, you know, there's, there's things where, 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 where maybe at times you have to be like, look, you know, like you got to try to focus somebody more, more thoroughly because they're wandering off in their head or they're getting ready to answer again, or they're looking at their phone or whatever it is. Um, so yeah. that's just kind of what I'm trying to get at. Well, so I think that happens to all of us, right? And yeah. it's happening in, in our relationships, it's happening in our businesses, it's happening at the, everywhere. So what the beauty is that when you become better as a listener, the conversations that you, you can bring people along who aren't able to listen as well, because when you learn the tools, and I've just given you a couple of them, mm -hmm. those tools help you change how the conversation happens. So I don't go into the conversation expecting that someone knows how to listen to me. I go into the conversation and make sure that I'm bringing the person with me using the skills of listening to get to a common understanding. Right. I take that responsibility because I have that skill. So, you know, it's, it's uncharted territory. And, and this is part of why I wanted to change the paradigm on and really focus on what is it costing not to listen because it it's huge, right? And we don't even think about it on a daily basis. Mm -hmm. and, and that's part of why this mission is we need a common language around listening. We need tools. We need to understand what good listening looks like, but we don't, we don't have that. And, and just these six questions, and I, I could list them for you really yeah. quickly. Um, it's just one of the tools. There's six that when you marry them together, that's really when you transform how you yeah, listen. Let's hear so, them. I want to hear them. So take me back is one. Mm -hmm. It can be to the beginning or just take me back. And again, the reason for that is people tend to start at the problem, but not at the beginning. And then we go forward to the solution and we might be solving the wrong problem. Okay. So that's yeah. a big one. Okay. Um, Tell me more, which yep. you've already used beautifully. <laughs> Very finessed. Mm -hmm. This is really important. And that is, how does that make you feel? Mm -hmm. Now, in business, often we tend to not like to ask that question because yeah. it feels too personal. Yeah. It's such an important question in business, especially mm -hmm. in the field that your, your listeners are in, mm -hmm. because there is so much emotion around the aesthetics and how we're feeling about how we yeah. look. And we can have a very distorted perspective of yeah. ourselves. Yeah. And that's how, that's how distorted faces are getting out there because we're, we're letting the patient guide sometimes when they shouldn't be. Right. right? Yeah. Yep. Um, so that, how does that make you feel is really, really important. 
another question, again, these are the best interview questions or the best journalistic questions, is um, what then what happened? It's yeah. that simple. The yeah. brain is curious. What Now what? What's next? Yeah. Then what happened? Yeah. 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 Okay. Yep. I like uh, it. Another one is that just, this is going to almost seem not, not like a question to your listeners, but it's, it's, hmm. <laughs> when you're really listening to someone, mm-hmm. naturally, one of the things that kind of flows out is just that, hmm. Yeah. And you, yeah. it's almost, again, imperceptible, but it's a, a verbal little nod that says, tell me more, keep going without interrupting. Hmm. All right. Well done. <laughs> You'll be surprised how yeah. you see that shows up. Uh, and and the last one is it sounds like you felt or it sounds like yeah. you feel. Okay. Sometimes this is a way to reflect. You know, it sounds like you you know you haven't been feeling good about yourself for quite a while. Yeah, yeah. Right? When you when you reflect back, people are just like, yeah, or no. And if you get it wrong, they'll they'll tell you exactly how they feel, and that brings a lot of clarity to the situation. Yeah, I, 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 I'm going back to the how does that make you feel question, which I think I, I would agree with you. It's super important. And I think translating that in our, in my business or in, in aesthetics to the patient, I think is makes a lot of sense and it's very easy. I'm also thinking about it, though, kind of in the, the corporate, you know, business context. And I'm thinking of like, okay, you know, the last conversation I was in with a private equity guy, you know, saying, how does that make you feel? Like, I'm not sure. I'm not, I don't know how that would go how over. You do that? Right. But, um, you know, I, I, nonetheless, it's important. Are there, because I, I, you know, that's really what you're talking about, right? If you're, if you're listening yeah. and trying to understand somebody, it's, yep. it's how they feel, whether if they're buying a business or whatever, how they feel about the business, how they feel about the, 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 the prospects. So are there, you know, short of getting all touchy feely with somebody, which again, you know, I'm, I'm fine with, but maybe it doesn't suit everybody. Are there other ways to put that question? Like, how do you get to well, that? You're, you're asking a question that I hear all the time. We hear all the time. And so a couple things, first of all, I've, I've worked with private equity people and you know what they say, how they decide whether to invest in companies. Oh. They meet with the management team and they, they go in their gut. Yeah. Because yeah. it, they, Products can be great. Ideas can be great. But if they don't have the right people, they know that it doesn't work. So they're very instinctual, private equity folks, because they feel their way through business and Mm. they have good instincts Mm -hmm. when they do it well. Mm -hmm. And so it's a misnomer to think that people in business aren't using their feelings a lot to Mm -hmm. make and and also logic and and other things to make decisions. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So I think. You know, it's the, it's the million dollar question that nobody will notice you asked. Yeah. It's how you ask it, not that you asked it. So I've been undaunted because I've been asking this since I was five. I've watched my father, my mother, and others. So I ask CEOs to individual contributors everywhere. And nobody, it's people go, they just start talking more. Nobody's ever said, I, I can't believe you asked me that. Yeah. No, I, I, I see. I can see that. It's just I'm trying to imagine in my head, how does that make you feel? Yeah. It's how you say it. Yeah, It's how you say it, not that you say it. So if you say it there, if you're uncomfortable, the chances are they're going to be more uncomfortable. But when you practice your way and just start to get comfortable with that, they won't, they'll just answer you. Yeah. Yeah. They'll just answer. And it it is touchy-feely, but people buy emotionally. Yes, totally. 
I, I, and again, I, I, I'm, I'm with you. I, I'm not saying the touchy feely is not, you know, the answer or the right way to go. It, it, it is. And, 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 and the, the feelings are, are vital, if not more important than anything else. It's just, I, you know, I, I, like I, I'm thinking, just you know, the approach. You do, you have to be comfortable. I think what you said is is absolutely true. If 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 you feel weird or uncomfortable saying it, it's gonna that's how it's gonna come across, and they're gonna reflect that back at you. So you have to be confident. And I, I also like how you said, you know, at the end, it sounds like here's how you feel. Like in yeah, some ways, that's, that's way uh, you know, because you're 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 basically then getting it onto their feelings and 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 starting to think about that, which which is which is great. I had a, um, a leader, a head of a sales organization at a finance company, and he brought us in because he said the way you discovered in our, we were, they had a, you know, they were looking at different companies to help their salespeople learn how to discover. Mm-hmm. He said, the way you discovered in the sales process is exactly how I want my people to do it. And after the, mm-hmm. we did the workshops, he said, you know, I, I struggle with that. How does that make you feel question too? I'm not sure. And I go, you realize I've asked you that in every single conversation we've had. He goes, really? (laughs) And to which I asked him in the next moments, how does it make you feel? He just answered it, didn't notice. I said, there you go. I just did it again. And then I started kind of making fun with him. And um, so, but it is, it is something that is a paradigm shift. So your, your question about why that feels weird, you're dead on. People feel that way. It just, it's just a matter of, practicing your way to success. And we yeah. help organizations do that because it's, it's a hurdle to get over. Yeah. So um, I, I, I do want to talk just, just quickly a little, a little bit about what, what your organization does. I mean, is, are you, do you work with businesses? Do you work with individuals? You said you're an executive coach. Like what's the, what, you know, and if folks want to want to reach out and, and figure out and, and learn about your services, what's give us the, give us the lowdown on that. Tell me a little yeah. bit more about that. <laughs> appreciate that. Well, the, um, so we serve, we're, we're mostly business to business. The book, what is it costing you not to listen that you mentioned at the beginning is, is absolutely a relationship book, even though it's, it's written for both relationships and businesses. Mm -hmm. My first career, as I said, I was a a therapist and trained in marriage and family and systems therapy. So I believe all, all relationships need better listening and communication from that standpoint. But we serve, you know, small, medium and large size companies. And, and we basically do emotional skills training, largely okay. around listening first um, to organizations through workshops and helping them transform how they they show up and sell and lead and connect. And and um, it's it's really quite fun. I feel very fortunate. Yeah, I, it's got to be. um it's got to be very rewarding in, 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 you know, to, to see people, you know, realize and open up and, and it's, you know, it's, it's kind of what, why we do what we do. Um, yeah. We had, um, we had a gentleman about, back in the late, uh, 2021 from a large pharma company after the first day of the workshop, learning just a couple of the tools on the, what we call the listening path. That's mm-hmm. the, the name of the workshop, the path to transformational listening. He said he got the first, unelicited hug from his 16 year old daughter that he had gotten in three years because we really? he used just a couple of the tools when he engaged in a conversation with her and and he was you know this is a business we're, we're helping them sell to large accounts and so forth yeah. but when we find i mean that happens at, every time we we connect with a, an organization and do work so that's just one small example but it's it's so meaningful because when you change relationships like that 
It's it's everything. Yeah. It's everything. And uh, so that your website is equipped.com, right? Uh, E-Q-U-I-P-T? It's equipped, E-Q-U-I-P-T dash people.com. Dash people.com. Gotcha. And you mentioned you're an athlete. I'm curious. What what, what was your what was your sport? <laughs> My sport of choice was uh, field hockey, okay. I, believe it or not. Yeah, yes. field hockey. So I played competitively f- after college. I did play other sports as well, but that was my sport of choice. Did, so I did you play in college also? I did. I, I went in college. To, I coached in grad school. Gotcha. I went to the University of Iowa, and we always had a okay. very oh, proud tradition of, of field hockey. <laughs> we probably know some of the same individuals, yes. <laughs> I played against some of those women, for awesome. sure. No, it's, 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 an interesting, it's an interesting sport. It's, from what I remember, it's very violent. As far as swinging the <laughs> sticks at people's feet and legs, and <laughs> usually the the rules are confusing to those who don't understand the rules. It's uh, but um, it's actually a finesse sport. But the sticks can feel scary for those who don't yeah, know the terrifying. sport for sure. Terrifying. Yeah. They look like medi- yeah. medieval like weapons um, <laughs> swinging around. <laughs> Pretty much, yeah. I loved it. I absolutely loved it. Um, okay, so uh, before we we sign off, Christine, what's the um, let's let let's leave our listeners with kind of one final tool or tip you've been you've been gracious enough to to share the those kind of five listening um um methods or 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 phrases what what give us give us one more or or another one or two things that we can walk away with so just because listening's hard and we've made it simple not easy i'll just review okay so one of them is slow down to speed up and part of that is is taking the step back and using those six questions to to really get the story. Okay. So that's really the first thing. How do you get the story? Let those open-ended questions do the work for you. Okay. And then, then second was to say, take a moment and reflect what you heard. Now, you don't have to get it all right. That's the beauty mm-hmm. because listening's hard, mm-hmm. but just the effort of reflecting. So we call that, you know, that, that 30 to 90 second reflection of the story. So it's repeating back both facts and feelings of what your patient has told you. This yep. is time well spent, by the way. Mm-hmm. They will be blown away that you, you do this, even mm-hmm. if they don't mention it. Mm-hmm. The, the, the next thing, and this is what I'll leave you with, is what we call affirming what you got. And okay. so that affirming, and, and this was something I learned from a gentleman by the name of Mike Bosworth uh, back in 2011 who wrote Solution Selling. But he talked about this, this term, do I get you? So when you, once you reflect the story, you say something like, let me make sure I get you, right? Mm-hmm. And, and do I get you? So you reflect it and say, did I get you? And the person's going to give you an answer, yes or no, or they're just going to tell you more. Mm-hmm. So when you ask for that affirmation versus with that, do I get you? Mm-hmm. Or did I understand you? You really connect in a different way and you make sure you're aligned and on the same path because it's very easy to get misaligned with what's next. Mm -hmm. So then that's when you really have earned the right to start advising or problem solving or selling. Mm -hmm. And so when you do that, now you're building the plan together for your patients and you're following the journey together rather than you trying to pull them along or them pull you somewhere. Mm -hmm. You're you're aligned and that's really important. Yeah, it's almost it's almost kind of like all of the th- the things you've said wrapped into one when you say like do I get you you're 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 inviting them to go back more you're inviting them to say more about how they feel you're you're confirming what they've what they've said and um and you're making sure that you understand everything that they've said so that you kind of it's almost that like that final bridge to 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 create that 
bad trust. And it's interesting you say trusted advisor. There's a book for for lawyers that I that I've read a long time ago when I first started that that is called the trusted advisor, and it's really all mm-hmm. about becoming that trusted advisor. And it's just it's it is it's it's listening and and. Um, that's well, the other thing I find really interesting, and I, and I, I would just kind of love to, to, to hear your thoughts. And we've, we've talked about this already, but a lot of what you're saying is I have heard in different kind of formats from corporate sales trainers who are really, really good. It's 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 very much the same. It's you know the 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 sale, which is a you know we don't like to use that word, but you know is is really just it's going back to that. It's all kind of it's listening, and you're you're teaching very much the same thing, which I find fascinating. We're really teaching the how, not the what. Yeah. The diff- so I've given you some yeah. of the what's today, and and so, but it's really learning how. So as an athlete, you meant I played field hockey. I. I wasn't the fastest athlete. I had pretty long legs for a while to get started. And it was my, and I I wrote about this in the book as well. It was my, between my junior and senior year where I went out to, to, you know, in the summer to run sprints with someone from track. I don't know why that was pretty dumb because (laughs) (laughs) I looked pretty silly pretty quickly, but we got on the the end line and she said, we're going to do 25 yard sprints. And she goes on the count of three, one, two, three, go. Well, she was almost at the 25 and I was like three steps in and she said, you do not know how to run. And I was like, wait a minute. She goes, no, you really don't. And this was before they do running drills and stuff mm-hmm. now. But she said, you need to put your left hand here and your arm this way and your leg here. And she showed me very specifically mm-hmm. how to do things. Mm-hmm. And what happened is I made a very quick pivot in terms of how quick I became because I enacted those tools. Mm-hmm. It's the same thing. So I could say run faster, listen better, or I can say, here's exactly how to listen better and let's practice our way to success. That's the difference in what we do. Mm-hmm. We're not just talking about listening. We're really helping people learn how to do it using the tools, both individually and together so that they can listen in a way that leads to selling mm-hmm. and leads to a more connected relationship that earns them the right to do things for the patient that's in their best interest. I love it. I like it. It's, it's, this is, I think, good stuff. And wh- where can people find, find your book? Is it on your website, on Amazon? What's the best way to get so to it? It's on Amazon, Barnes & Noble. Um, they can go to the website or they can go to whatisitcostingyounottolisten.com. Okay, awesome. That's great. Well, Christine The audio book's coming out at the end of the month, by oh. the way, for those who are more audio-driven. Um, yeah. That's, that's all. just yeah. a FYI. Okay, that's great. I might, I'm, I might take advantage of that side of things for my commute into work. Um, yeah, Christine, I really appreciate you you taking the time. I know you're you're busy and you've got a lot going on. Um, thank you. We will definitely have to reconnect. Um, and 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 I'm looking forward to trying to get you to to, to some of our meetings so, so more folks can hear what you have to say. That'd be great. I look forward to it. Thank you so much. Thank you. Thanks for joining us this week with the American Med Spa Podcast, Medical Spa Insider. This week, founder Alex Tiersch was joined by Christine Miles, CEO and founder of Equipped. If you're new with us, we would love to invite you to hit the subscribe button. Click it now so you can get AmSpa content delivered to you each time. Leave a rating and a review. See you on our next episode.